Andrew takes the snap. Sets up, looks, looks, looks. He's going to throw one way down there to T.Y. He's got it. He's going to score. He's going to score. He's going to score on a 64-yard pass play. Harper's on Miller. McKee gets it in the middle for the win. It's Four tenths of a second. He'll never be introduced the same way again. From now on, it'll be Will Power, Indianapolis 500 winner for 2018. The Brickyard 400 for Keselowski. What is up, everybody? Thanks for joining me for another edition of Bragging Rights. I am your host, Daniel Bragg, on the Die Hard Sports Radio Network. Uh, you can interact with Die Hard Sports Radio on their new website at dhsradio.com. On the site, you can find the lineup of shows, blog posts by show hosts, and stream all live shows while they are happening. Uh, not a whole lot of stuff happening in sports. I, pre- I uh, apologize for missing the last couple weeks. Again, busy schedules... I was going to do last week, but I got late or uh, last-minute tickets to the Pacer game. And while I love doing the show and while I know that some people count on me to do this every week, uh, my family always comes first, and everybody, I feel like, can appreciate that. So we're back at it right now. Uh, the first thing on the docket, we're going to talk uh, NBA All-Star Game and college basketball later. Not a whole lot to talk about in football because the NFL season's over. We might touch a little bit on the AAF later. But first thing today is the thing that's going to drive most of the people that I know on Twitter crazy, but I don't care. This is what happened yesterday. Hamlin off turn number four. No, side-by-side battle to the finish this time. Denny Hamlin wins his second Daytona 500 and wins it for Coach Gibbs in so I don't know why that got cut off. But anyways, uh, yeah, Denny Hamlin wins the 2019 Daytona 500. Uh, a lot of people, for some reason, because they didn't watch the whole race or just tuned in at the very end, I don't know what it was. I don't know what the problem was. The, the race did have a lot of cautions at for the last 10 laps. I believe there was three wrecks in the last 10 laps, including the big one. And But it involved, I believe, again, it was either two or three red flags. I understand it took an hour to complete nine laps. I understand that is ridiculous. What I also understand is that IndyCar fans, and I'm going to call them that. They're they're not racing fans. They're IndyCar fans. IndyCar fans, and I know, look, I live in Indianapolis or around Indianapolis. I know I deal with this all year, and my most hated week of sports talk radio around this area is the week leading up to the Brickyard 400. It's the worst. Because you have people that either aren't in NASCAR fans, but they know they have to talk about it because NASCAR is coming to town, and that's just, they're doing their job. Or it, it, So it just becomes bash NASCAR week. That's all it is. And I understand, look, I understand IndyCar is based here. I understand the Indy 500 is all these people live for. But to go on social media, and again, I've dealt with it my entire life. I really don't know why it still bugs me as much, but it does. It drives me around the bend how much of a little person complex IndyCar fans seem to have when it comes to NASCAR. And even F1. 
I love IndyCar, okay? I love IndyCar. I also love NASCAR. I also love F1. I love anything with a motor and four wheels. But last night, the, the amount of crap that was spewed at NASCAR because of the final nine laps, because guys are absolutely going for the biggest win of their lives. Yes, accidents happen, I understand, and it's a very big nuisance when it has to keep being red flagged. I get that. I understand that it's infuriating when it takes nine, or when it takes an hour to get nine laps done. I understand that. I was actually working the Daytona 500. I wanted to come home, and I'm a NASCAR fan. That's the reason why I volunteered to work it. So if anyone was more inconvenienced by the fact that the race took an hour to complete nine laps, it was me. You were sitting at home with nothing better to do, apparently, than watch the end of the Daytona 500 and complain about it. But yet you stayed tuned in. And, and it comes out today that the ratings were up on the Daytona 500 over last year. And the spike happened after the big one that happened with nine laps to go. So, you can bash NASCAR all you want. You turned it on after the big wreck happened. You turned it on during the red flag. So then you're going to complain about the fact that it's under a red flag and that there's too many wrecks. You turned it on when you saw there was a wreck. So I, I, I don't know what else to say to you. Like, I really don't. If you're going to complain about all the wrecks, but you're you only tune in when there's wrecks, what are we going <laughs> to? What do you want? You turned it on because there was a wreck, and then you're going to complain on social media because there's too many wrecks. On the whole, it was a great race. If you had watched from lap one, it was a good race. It was a memorable race, and yes. Some bonehead, <laughs> Paul Menard boneheadedly caused the big one with nine laps to go. And then they get going again, and Clint Boyer tries to move over in front of somebody, going for the win, and it causes another big wreck. I understand it's frustrating, because you might want to watch something else. Then change the channel. But you didn't. You tuned in, and you watched every second of it. So to NASCAR, they're doing the right thing. You can say you're not entertained. If you're not entertained, you would have changed the channel. And the, and the amount of crap that I get thrown my way because I, def, because I defend NASCAR. I wasn't defending NASCAR last night. What I was doing was saying I was defending the drivers and the racing. Because obviously you weren't watching the whole race if you think that was just a massive wreck fest. There was hardly any wreck. With nine laps to go, we still had like 38 cars running of the 40. It was insane. I thought we were going to finish without a big one. To be honest with you, it, it got to 10 laps to go, and I actually looked at my coworker and said, I think we're, we might not see a big one. They're racing with their heads all day. Nobody has made a massive move. They might finish without a big one. And lo and behold, that's when the big one happened. But when you turn it on after the big one happens, and then, of course, the ni last nine laps at Daytona, last nine laps at Talladega, yeah, they're going for it. Everybody has a chance to win that race. Every single one of them has a chance to win that race because that's how it, restrictor plate racing works. So they're going to try to do it. 
you had guys like Matt DiBenedetto. Most people didn't know him. Most casual fans had no idea who he was yesterday. I knew who he was, and I was ecstatic when he was leading. Ecstatic. I was rooting for him at the end. And then he got taken out in the big one. Michael McDowell finished fourth or fifth. Most casual fans have no idea who that is. It was a great... That's what restrictor restrictor plate racing does. That's what the Daytona 500 does. It gives opportunities to teams that don't normally have opportunities to win a race, and much less the biggest race of their lives, the biggest race in NASCAR. So I'm not mad at drivers going for it. I'm not mad at them for wanting to win and putting it all out on the line. And yeah, they might wreck 20 cars. It sucks, but that is what Daytona means to everybody. And NASCAR fans know that. Casual fans might not. IndyCar fans certainly don't. Because the thing is, and I loved it. I mentioned it before the race yesterday because I I went to work and there's a diehard IndyCar fan. And he's complaining because he's got to work the Daytona 500 because it's such a bore fest. Well, I got news for you. While I'm not saying the Indy 500 is a bore fest, I see more IndyCar fans rip the Daytona 500 for going in circles. I actually heard that yesterday. Oh, well, all they're doing is going in circles. Your favorite race is the Indy 500. They go in circles 200 times. Coincidentally, the Daytona 500 is 200 times. The only difference is NASCAR likes to give their fans a happy ending where it finishes under, finishes under green. IndyCar doesn't believe in that. IndyCar believes that the biggest race of their lives, the Indy 500, is suitable to finish under caution, which I don't agree with. But then you have IndyCar fans say, well, it's only a 500-mile race. It's not the 501 or the 502. Okay, fair enough. You sat there for three and a half hours being entertained, and then you got to watch someone slowly cross the finish line doing 70 miles an hour. Woohoo. Woohoo. NASCAR didn't do a thing wrong last night. They didn't. They didn't do a thing wrong. Their drivers didn't do a thing wrong last night. It created great, compelling racing at the end of the race. And that's all you can really ask for. And yeah, if we were there, it, if, if, it, if they had just kept wrecking, I understand it. But it was not a shit show. And that's what people kept calling it. And I apologize for using that language, but it's my podcast. I apologize. But that it wasn't that. It wasn't an embarrassment. You had two cautions. And that's the thing. Like, oh, they can't even make it two laps. They had two cautions. Two. It's not like you saw seven. You saw two. So it's... <laughs> And that was the most mind-boggling part. Like, everybody tuned in late at night after all the good racing had happened because they wanted to see the end of Daytona 500. And that's the real thing. People that tuned in after that wreck wanted to see the ending. And then you were complaining because the ending took too long. (laughs) You tuned in to see the ending. That's not NASCAR's fault. It's not. And look, I want to clarify the little brother comment that I made about IndyCar. And I've said it before, and I've said it to IndyCar fans, and I don't feel that I'm wrong about saying it. I love IndyCar. 
I was raised with it around here. The same thing as NASCAR. I went to my first NASCAR race in 2000. Went to my first Daytona 500, I believe in, or not, sorry, Daytona 500, Indianapolis 500, I believe in like 94, 95. I was like six. But that's neither here nor there. IndyCar, and I don't even, I'm not even going to say the series, it's their fans. The fans that I have interacted with on social media and the fans that I interact with daily on social media, you don't see NASCAR fans going out of their way, especially during IndyCar races, to bash IndyCar. NASCAR fans don't bash IndyCar. F1 fans don't bash IndyCar. No one bashes IndyCar. We watch it. We watch IndyCar. We do not bash IndyCar. We appreciate it for what it is. Just like I appreciate NASCAR for what it is. Will I complain about it if there is justification to complain about something? Absolutely. But IndyCar fans go out of their way. They will go to NASCAR's website. They will go to NASCAR's Facebook just to rip them. Find something better to do. Like, if if that's all your life is amounted to, is I'm going to go to this thing that millions of people love. 5.5 million people watched that yesterday. 5.5 million. And I understand it's, it's a bitter pill to swallow when... Short of the Indy 500, the highest-rated IndyCar race last year might have been a million. I, under, it's a, I understand it's a bitter pill to swallow. And, but again, I don't want to bash IndyCar. I love IndyCar. But the fans make it unbearable. It's like me and Dale Jr. fans. I don't mind Dale Jr. Dale Jr. is a very good person. He's, I'm sure he's a very nice person. He seems like a guy I'd love to drink with. But I can't stand his fans. So it makes me root against him. IndyCar is great for what it is. It's the best American open wheel racing series. Why can't we just be happy with that? They occasionally run on oval and they put on good shows on oval. And they occasionally run on road and they put on good shows on road. IndyCar puts on a good show. That's all I'm wanting out of racing. It's all I'm wanting. They have their, they have their little niches and their uh, gimmicks, just like NASCAR does. IndyCar fans constantly bash the, the the chase. Well, we don't have double points races. I hate double points races, but that's IndyCar's version of the chase. You keep it exciting until the last race. That's all NASCAR did. And the chase had to be... Look, I don't blame NASCAR for the chase. Even as a Gordon fan, I know what the numbers say, and I know Jeff Gordon would have finished with seven, possibly eight titles had the chase never been introduced. But I also understand why they introduced it. Because I remember watching NASCAR before the chase. And I remember not caring about races once the NFL started. Mostly because you already knew who was going to win the title. That's not entertaining and that's not a good business model to sell out races if you got five, six races left in the season and the champion's already been determined. Virtually. Not actually, but virtually. I understand why they introduced the chase. It created parody. Short of Jimmy Johnson. Cut out Jimmy Johnson and his ungodly seven titles. I mean, it was it was ridiculous, <laughs> the the reign 
the, the stretch that he did. But take that out of the equation, the chase has actually done a very good job of creating parity. But back to IndyCar. On road, worldwide, you are the second best series. Second best behind F1. Everyone knows that. But no one rips you for it. In America, you are the second best oval racing series. Everyone knows that. No one rips you for it. We like IndyCar for what it is. Just like we like every other racing series for what it is. The problem is IndyCar fans can't stop. They can't just they can't just appreciate it for what it is. If you don't like NASCAR, don't watch NASCAR. I beg you. I don't want you to be miserable. If you don't like NASCAR, don't watch it. Don't watch it and then just bash it. If you don't like it, don't watch it. Same thing with F1. If you don't like it, don't watch it. I like NASCAR. I like F1. I like IndyCar. I like Rally. I like IMSA. Again, if it's got a motor and four wheels, I'm going to watch it. But I'm going to appreciate it for what it is. It's cars racing to a set destination. Whoever gets there first. That's all racing is. I love racing. And when I enjoy a race, especially like last night, and then I have to deal with people on social media, I didn't have to deal with it. I could have just logged off. But at a certain point, I have to defend something I love. Just like I would defend IndyCar if someone bashed IndyCar. I would. I would. I defend racing every day because I get made fun of every single day for liking NASCAR, for liking IndyCar, for liking motorsports in general. I get made fun of. I understand motorsports fandom is a relatively small percentage of people in this country. Really, small percentage of people in the world are motorsports fans. And the thing I've never understood is how we, why we self-cannibalize ourselves. All, <laughs> why? Why can't we all just appreciate racing series for being racing series and be done with it? But no, we got to constantly yell about our series is better than your series, better than that series. Look, on the whole, in America, we've only got like six, seven, eight million race fans. Why do we constantly try to tear down each other? I watch every IndyCar race. I also watch every NASCAR race. Because I love racing. And that Daytona 500 was not anything out of the ordinary when it comes to racing. Those guys were going for it because it's the biggest win of their lives. Don't get mad at them. Because, because, and that's the thing. I think if the red flags hadn't happened, people wouldn't have been so upset. If you had that, if you had the big one, and then they cleaned it up in five minutes, and we went back racing, nobody has time to complain, and no one has time to realize, holy crap, it's been an hour. But we had the red flag, so it gave everybody time to get on social media and rip NASCAR. And then we got back racing, and two laps later, we're back under caution. We're under back under a red flag, and it gives more time to bash it because this is a quote-unquote shit show. When it wasn't, you turned it on, and two wrecks happened. Watch the other 190 laps. 
If you turned it on for the final 10 laps, that's on you. And I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna get off it. Either way, congratulations, Denny Hamlin. Even though I'm not a big fan of yours, at least it wasn't Kyle Busch. And next week, NASCAR will be in Atlanta for the Folds of Honor Quick Trip 500. Uh, I thought about going down there, but I'm actually working it again, so uh, it'll be fun. And next week, we'll actually see real, uh, well, not real. I hate calling it real racing, but we'll see. The, we'll find out what everybody else has. Okay, you're not going to have Matthew De Benedetto running in the lead at Atlanta, realistically, unless they had a massive turnaround over the offseason. You'll, you'll see, we'll actually see the first preview of what the season might look like come next Sunday. Moving on, the All-Star weekend was this past weekend. I believe Team LeBron beat Team Giannis, or Giannis, or however you say his name, um, in a game that continues to be a joke, just like the Pro Bowl. And then, but but the great part was Saturday. Friday and Saturday were great. I watched every second of Friday and Saturday, and it just goes to prove, even in the NBA, NBA, NFL, it doesn't matter. Skills challenges should be the All Star Weekend. You don't need a game. You don't. You do not need a game. In fact. How you get around, if you get named to the All-Star Weekend kind of thing, all you would have to do is change the voting to where you, these are the guys you want to see at the All-Star Weekend. You still take it just based off like a roster. Then you find games like the NFL creatively has. The skills challenges. Now, I'm not saying dodgeball. Dodgeball, no, not dodgeball. But, I mean, you could do the dunk contest. You could do the three-point contest using only guys that made the All-Star game. You see what I'm saying? You take the All-Star rosters that got voted there. And then you pick the competitors for the dunk contest and the three-point contest out of those people. Now, yes, that does limit the amount of people that get to partake in the All-Star weekend. But shouldn't, why is that a problem? Shouldn't that be the thing? Because you got people competing in these things on Saturday that didn't get voted there. John Collins was embarrassing in the dunk contest. Embarrassing. That dude cannot be happy about what he did. I mean, it was just bad. And in the three-point contest, it was great. But a Nets guy won that, I'm not going to lie, I forgot existed. I mean, when I get to the point where I'm rooting for Steph, because at least then I'll know who won, <laughs> which which is awful to say. Look, I don't mean to say it that way. I'm I'm happy for, I believe it was Joe Johnson, Joey Johnson. I don't remember. I I don't remember. I to be honest with you, I know it was Joe something. Um, I'm happy for him. It's a three point contest. It, it's a it's a thing that you absolutely want on your name. Good for him. I'm not ripping him. I'm just saying I would have been more impressed had it been Steph versus uh, Durant versus uh, Clay versus LeBron versus Kyrie. You know, all the guys that were in the game partake in the skills challenges, and that's all we need. We don't need this meaningless game that almost scored 200 points because they're just chucking up threes and hitting them because that's the new game. The, the game's pointless. But that's... 
the monster that they've created. It's the same thing with the NFL. The game is pointless. No one watches the game. Everyone watches the skills challenge. And unfortunately, the NFL hasn't figured out how to do the skills challenge. You could do it live, but they don't want to do that. They'd rather film it on, like, Tuesday night and then air it on Thursday and say, look, even though we're airing it at 8 o'clock, it's sunny out there. Come on. Why can't you just show it live like everything else? But, uh, the The other thing I want to touch on and in the NBA is the Pacers. I went to the Pacer game, like I said, last Monday. They looked great. They've looked great since, really, Oladipo went out, short of that first game. And I'm going to say something, and I know it's going to be taken completely out of proportion. I'm not saying anything that's that crazy. But again, for anybody that listens to this that likes the Pacers, is probably going to be blown out of proportion. The Pacers are playing better this season without Victor Oladipo. They play completely different when Oladipo is on the floor. They do. They just do. When he's out on the floor, the offense stops. It's because they want to run it through him because he is the go-to guy, which absolutely he should be. But the problem with that is it is stunting the offense. If Oladipo has a bad shooting night, the offense is kind of running around. Now, Obviously, it has worked this season even with Oladipo because Bojan's having the career of or the year of his life. But team-wise, they look like a better team without Victor Oladipo. Now, I'm not saying Victor Oladipo should never come back. I'm not saying the Pacers should trade him. I'm not saying that at all. I'm, th- what I'm saying, it, it's an indictment on the coaching, not anything else. I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know if it's players. One of the two, they got to figure out when Oladipo's on the floor, play the exact same way. Just with a better guy at the two. That's all it is. That's all it is. But for some reason, especially when he first came back from that injury, the offense just looked awful because they were trying to give it, they were feeding Oladipo way too much. They were like, here, take it. You run with it. We don't want to do it. Now. It's complete team basketball, and it's working out great. Miles has made great improvements. I am no longer on the let's trade Miles Turner thing. I'm no longer on the let's, I mean, I can't be on the let Miles Turner walk thing because he got his extension. But when he first got his extension, I was not for it. I was not for it at all. But the way he's been playing this season He absolutely would have commanded more money than the Pacers got him for. So absolutely good decision. Bravo Pacers. I'm an idiot. And I said it. I was an idiot on Miles Turner. I was an idiot on uh, Ty, or not Ty, T.Y. Hilton a couple years ago. I was an idiot about it. I wasn't saying get rid of T.Y. Hilton. I was just saying he wasn't the number one wide receiver. Which, briefly... All the people in this town that have called for Antonio Brown or OBJ, are you not saying are are you <laughs> are you not in the same breath saying that TY is not a true number one wide receiver? But I'm gonna move past that. I'm just gonna leave it. I'm gonna leave it. I'm not gonna talk about that. Because I, I love TY Hilton. His production has been great, especially since Andrew Luck came back. Hopefully it's it continues to go up next year. Anyways. 
the Pacers, the Pacers look good, and that's all I can really say. That I hope they continue this. I, for one, I said it was too late in the season to uh, to throw the season, and it and it was. I mean, when Oladipo went down, I believe they were ten or twelve games above, maybe even fifteen games above five hundred. You you can't nuke the season at that point. You're still going to make the playoffs in the East with that bad of a record. Like you could lose the rest of your games, and you probably still make the playoffs in the East. So just just keep playing, and if you can keep winning on this level, who knows? I mean, because a, a, a true team, who knows? They they could shock the world and get to the Eastern Conference Finals. I really, truly believe this team, without Oladipo, could make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. They have done that. Pritchard has done that good of a job building this team. So we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, when they, for the rest of the season. Uh, the Pacers' next game is Friday. They don't play again until Friday. I mean, that's it's not. But then again, most of the teams I don't think are playing until Thursday. I don't know why they get such a long off. But anyways, uh, Friday in New Orleans, they'll be taking on the Pelicans. Uh, lastly, I'm going to talk about the Purdue Boilermakers taking on the IU Hoosiers tomorrow night at Assembly Hall. Uh, Purdue should win the game. I say should because I'm a Purdue fan, and I am used to being let down by my team. Uh, they should have beat Maryland and then came out in the second half and couldn't buy a bucket. So we'll see. Uh, Assembly Hall changes things. But at the same time, IU hasn't played well at Assembly Hall. IU hasn't played... They have shocked me at how poorly they have played as of late. But I, again, also understand that it is Purdue and IU, and it's still Purdue. They dropped three spots in the rankings today to 15 after losing to number 24, Maryland. I don't know that that's justified to drop three spots, but rankings are rankings, and who cares? But we will see tomorrow, like I said, tomorrow night at Assembly Hall. Uh, I feel bad for everybody that's got to drive down there because I know how bad the roads are. But I uh, hope everybody can get down there. I really do, even as a Purdue guy, I really hope IU fans come out and support IU. No matter how bad the season is, no matter how bad the season has been, support your team. And really, that support your team. If you have the capability of going to that game tomorrow, it is a rivalry game. Go to that game. And the sad part is, I think the student section is going to be full. It's the non-students that aren't going to show up. Which, but I'm not going to tell you how to spend your money. Look, if you didn't already have tickets, it's up to you. But if you have tickets and you choose not to go, that doesn't sit well with me. Just because they're not playing well, just still go out and support them. Because what does not showing up do other than, you know, deflate the team? These are kids. I know they're I know they're grown adults. They're college students. They're older than 18, but they're kids. And they're playing a game. It's not that serious. At the end of the day, it's not that serious. If you already have tickets to that game, please go. I beg you. Don't let those kids come out of that tunnel and see a half-full assembly hall when they're taking on Purdue. Don't do that. They deserve better than that. But that's all the time I got. I appreciate you guys for listening whenever you do listen, whether you download the podcast, whether you listen live. Um, I, I really, really do appreciate it. Uh, craziness has been happening in my life as far as professionally and personally. Professionally, it's been going great, and I will update everybody later, or if you can follow me on Twitter or Facebook, I always update everybody. Uh, it, everything's going great at Full Sail. 
I can't thank uh, Joe Zalo enough for allowing me to have a podcast and setting this all up so that I can have the ability to do this, especially live. Uh, I always this was always a dream, and uh, for them to be flipping the bill for me to be able to do this, I can't thank them enough. Reminder, if you miss any part of the show, you can find the complete podcast on Die Hard Sports Radio's page on Mixler, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, or iTunes. Just search Bragging Rights with Daniel Bragg. That's all the time I got, and I will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>